0: You're listening to the USCA official podcast which takes you behind the scenes of eventing covering all the big events, professional tips and tricks, interviews, special guests and the latest USCA eventing news. Welcome to the USCA official podcast and it is the 2023 preview show for you listeners because the season is very nearly upon us and we've got a slightly new look to the team that is going to be looking forward to the year because I'm delighted to welcome a brand new USCA president, Lou Leslie. It is so good to have you on the show. Thank you. We're looking forward to hearing your story.
1: My story? What part of my story? It's a long story. What part do you want to hear?
0: (laughs) Oh, we'll pick a few chapters out. And don't worry at all, because any chapters we don't get to, I'm sure we will pick at them throughout the next three years. We've Plenty of time. But uh, we're going to get a bit more information about your background and kind of what your hopes and aims are for the next three years. Um, Also on the show, it has been ages since we've had him on the podcast. We've missed you, Rob Burke. How are you?
2: I was beginning to think that I had embarrassed myself and wasn't allowed on the podcast anymore. So I'm really comforted to know that I'm allowed back on.
0: Never, never, Rob, (laughs) never. Um, It's the joy of the edit. No, it's absolutely fine. You're actually very, you're very, very good. We rarely need to ever edit anything you say, so we're good. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Um,
0: Look, it is always, the start of the season, there's that kind of frisson of excitement, the hopes are all alive. We've got a an action-packed event calendar laid out in front of us and we're all sort of looking at where we're going to go and who we're looking forward to seeing and everything else. Um, we're going to come on to that in a moment. Lou, I wanted to start with a little bit more about you. So maybe you could just introduce yourself to the USEA listeners and kind of give us a bit of backstory on where your love of eventing came from, and how, fast forward a few years, that's found you as president of the USEA
1: uh, Well, it's been a long road um, towards being president of the USA because I've actually been involved with eventing for over 30 years, um, with um, committees and different groups that I was working with. Uh, where did my love of eventing first start? Um, just out of college, when I realized I couldn't um, afford showing hunter jumpers at the level that I wanted to show at, and I happened to pick up Sally O'Connor's book on practical eventing, read it page to page, and said, I can do this, and so I practiced a dressage chest, and I entered my first event all on my own at Morvin, uh, what is it, Meadows of Moor Park in California. And I, my first horse trial was at training, and I galloped up the hill, galloped down the hill, did a few jumps, did a few circles. Um, and what struck me when I was there is that I absolutely didn't know what I was doing, but everybody around me helped me to do what I needed to do to, to finish it. So. There's a
2: really good chance that I was competing at that same event, if it were. <laughs> Seriously, Meadows and Mord Park – 30 years ago, Yeah. I was there, probably. Probably. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And- so so 30 years ago, you sort of got the love of eventing. Um, right. But that kind of love has taken you through kind of various different routes along the way, hasn't it? You've been a competitor. You've been a volunteer. You've been a committee member. Um, you've worn lots of hats,
1: is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Right. Lots of hats through um, f- throughout the th- you know, multitasking at its best. So I'm still competing. I'm still out there competing. Um, I'm still out there actively volunteering, and I'm still out there and working with all the committees. Um, And I've always just kind of been in the background, um, helping out where I could, um, trying to do projects that I thought would be really helpful to um, get my passion or support my passion. (laughs) And one thing, um, I also, as, as a child, I grew up in the air force. So I had a very mobile life and I, and I always had to make the best of any situation that I was in. And what you learn at that very young age is that you're creating your opportunities. And so it just kind of made sense. Um, you know, I started eventing in California because I made that opportunity, When I got married, we moved to Texas and it was, um, well, I'm going to keep eventing, but I needed to create my own opportunities there. So I got involved with the local um, Horse Trial Association, or back then it was um, Combined Test Association, and um, just got involved. I stepped up and I was their treasurer for a while. I was I jumped in any clinic I could. Um, and that was when I met my cuber and the lessons that I had with him were great. It was, you know, he was just coming off all his, um, international excavates. And when I would have a lesson with him he'd go look at a fence and say, go jump that. And I would go, okay. So it was very LeGolf, um, do a shoulder in. I would sit there and kind of go, ah, that you are speaking foreign. What does that mean? And he goes, well, you just need to go do a dressage show and learn a shoulder in. I went, Okay. So I was that kid that would, you know, or that young adult that would go out uh, to the dressage show and try to figure out how to do a shoulder in. But don't know if I can do it anymore.
0: <laughs> don't don't worry. I'm sure there's plenty. There's plenty of people that would go shoulder in. Hmm, I try, but who knows? Um, it is so interesting having that kind of background and that experience. And you know, everybody brings different skills to the party, so to speak. And I think from mm-hmm. your perspective of being as a competitor, as an amateur rider who really experiences those events and the the people because ultimately the people are such a massive, massive part of our sport it is absolutely vital. Um, if we were to say we're on this show in three years time, your presidency is done, what would you love to leave as your legacy?
1: I think the passion that's already there to exemplify um, and expand on this whole thought of, of amateurism is, and I actually read um, The Code of Sportsmanship out of the USEF handbook. And when I read that, it talks about the, the passion of the sport and it equated that to amateurism. And it's like, that's exactly it. It's all across, no matter where you are in the eventing, um, segment of it, there is this passion and love of the horse and always striving to be better. What can I do better for my horse? What can I, you know, I can do better for my horse if I'm a better rider. I, I can do better for my horse if I, you know, feed him better hay or whatever it is, or I learn as much as I can. And I think that's the thing with eventing that it is attractive is that you're always challenging yourself to be that better horseman. And, and that's the legacy that I hope will go forward in three years is that that's kind of strengthened and it's a commonality throughout all, all of eventing. And I think that's why I've, I've, I found my tribe. I'll say,
2: you know, in, I've been lucky to work with Lou now. Well, actually, I mean, since I came on board with the USCA, Uh, Just about 10 years now is my anniversary date, Um, and I will say Lou has always been a champion for the grassroots of the sport. Lou has always been – she's been amazing in that she's done a lot to contribute to all portions of the sport from the high performance all the way down, but she's always been a key voice on amateur matters, on adult rider issues – um, and then, and beyond that, you know, she's always done such a good job of reminding me about, you hear from a lot of people, we want to grow the sport. We want to grow the sport. You hear that, it's like a repetition across the, the world. But one thing that Lou's always reminded us is, yeah, but you got to take care of the folks who are in it as well, right? You've got to make sure that as an association, we're, we're doing the best for the members that are in it, that we're all, we're not always striving for the next person. We're continuing to work for the the ones that are involved. So, um, yeah, I'm super excited to, to, to have my new teammate here for the next three years. Yeah.
0: I think, I think that's a really, really interesting point actually. And I really like that because ultimately, yes, we do want to get bigger. We will always want to strive to be better and we should strive to be bigger and better, but also you can't, forget the the people that have got you to that point in the first place and you can't forget the people that actually make the sport what it is in the first place um and ultimately if you all pull together you'll be able to make it happen it's kind of got to be a united front and a united movement in order to make that change um Lou, i wanted to to ask you because you are actually on the west coast Um, we've got three time zones going on here, listeners. I mean, my mental maths, I double checked the clock in my um, iPhone app about 50 million times going, oh, West Coast, East Coast, UK time. No, anyway, we pulled it off. Um, But you're sort of northwest of the country. And it's been a little while since we've had um, a president of the USCA from the the western side of the country, I think nine years or so, but we certainly have had them in the past. And I, I think it again brings a really nice dynamic because you obviously have a huge amount of experience and knowledge of events in your area. Um, mm-hmm. but that kind of mix that we've seen across the presidency is key. What um for you from in terms of the whole geographical setup? Right. Of the US. How do you plan on tackling it? Because I understand you've got quite a cool challenge. <laughs> <I've> <laughs> I let the ever... cat out of the bag when we were talking. Oh, before you recording. And so yeah. I'm going to get you to put it out there now, because if you okay. say it on the first podcast, you can't back out.
1: <laughs> well, so that there, there is. The Mississippi River is a great dividing line between the east side of Aventine and the west coast of Aventine. Um, out in the West, West coast, um, our horse trials last over a couple of days and we travel far distance, a short, uh, I would say an average, um, trailer drive to a show for me is about maybe 10 hours. So yeah, it, it's for me to go to in my area for me to go to Rebecca farm that that's a 12 hour haul with a horse trailer. When we go to a show, you're there for a couple of days and you set up the teepee tent and, um, You don't want to take it down, but it sets a a dynamic that you also get to know who your tribal members are there at the show, and um, that is one thing that has kind of lent to the community that's up here in the Northwest is that um, we we have a good time at the show. You know, some of my best friends um, live in Idaho, (laughs) and I I see them you know seven times a year, and we have a really good time. We cheer each other on. Um, and it it creates quite a um, a dynamic community that's out there, and that's my experience at the local level of eventing. So but my challenge is is that if if I am going to be a good president representing as much of the base as I can, I need to experience East Coast eventing. And actually, I need to experience inventing in ten areas, and I have experienced them in, four so far. So six, seven, let's see, nine and 10 are the areas that I've have actually competed at prelim and above it. So what I, I have six more to go. So that's what in three years time, maybe hopefully this year, I will get it done. Um, I'm going to start in Florida and move up, move up the areas or I'll start in area one and, and just, tick off the boxes and experience what it's really like to show um, an event in those different areas so I have a better perspective when I'm making my decisions
0: that's amazing um, can I ask who is your partner in crime introduces to your horse or horses uh,
1: oh uh, uh, I imagine. I imagine. Rob? Oh, I call I him I mean, Rob, Rob is obviously
0: <laughs> your partner in crime. And we're going to come on. Don't think I've forgotten the Thelma comment. We're going to come on to that in a minute. Um, you don't get away that lightly, Rob.
1: But um, yeah, <laughs> tell us about your horse. Okay, so I have two horses. And the the first one is Souvenir. He is a 14. He's 14 now. He is a seven. I stopped sticking him at 17 hands. He's an Irish sport horse that um, I actually saw when I went to Burley as a tourist and he was in the four-year-old class and he didn't make the top 10. And so he promptly had a for sale sticker on him. And um, the evening before uh, we were there with some friends and my husband, this was the first time that he actually went to a five-star event and they were needling him to do um, a syndicate. And he made the unfortunate, (laughs) he made the fortunate um mistake of saying well if I'm going to spend that much money on a syndicate I might as well spend it on my wife and everybody at the table just went (laughs) (laughs) you said that out loud (laughs) and the caveat to it is and you have 24 hours to find it and I went game on
0: (laughs) I was gonna say I mean that's just basically challenge accepted isn't it
1: absolutely hands down so um found a friend that um, lined up 26 horses for me to see that Monday because we were going to leave Tuesday. And I, I said, I'm going to be the rude American. Um, I'm just going to feel their legs, have them trot out on the hard pan. If they're sound, then we'll tack them up and I'll ride with the ones I'd like. And out of the 26 horses that I saw, I only rode six of them. And, I narrowed it down to two. One was um, a little sports car that was just really spicy. And I, oh, I thought, oh, this is going to be great. And then the other one was this, this big, big, bright bay with four white socks and a blaze and a really a personality. And the guy that I was with, you know, I was deciding between the two, which is A, which is B. And he kind of went, well, wow, if it goes, if it goes wrong, which one can you sell? And I went, well, probably the bright bay with the four white socks. And I went, okay. So that's the one we vetted first. And that's the one I flew over. So that was the first time I've ever imported a horse. And that was an experience in itself. So needless to say, um, souvenir, got his name for being my souvenir from Burley. He's been awesome. He, he He is the big Labrador in the backyard that is just super fun, super fun to ride. Um, my second horse is one that, um, I've been part of the Becky grant and, um, international rider grant. And at Buccalo, I think it was 2016, uh, three of the Becky Wright riders, grant riders were at Buccalo. And so I went there to go be a cheerleader and, um, don't tell anybody, but I could only last...
0: Can I just say, you went to be a cheerleader, but you picked basically the most fun event in the world
1: to cheerlead at. I mean, I would say that's a very wise position. (laughs) Quite the hardship. But needless to say, I could only last a day of dressage. So don't tell anybody that one. So I had a a day of dressage and I rented a car and I drove up to Germany to um, an acquaintance there. And he was showing me um, some horses. And one of my good friends... um, from the Northwest, Jean Moyer had bought this horse as a yearling and she, her health was failing. So I saw the horse there or the, the colt there and I took a picture of it and I sent it back to, him. and her husband, Jim Moyer, um, when I came back and showed the pictures, pulled me aside and goes, you do know that horses for sale. And I went, Oh, okay. And, uh, um i i bought a knack from germany
0: so how so old that, was he
1: when you bought him he he was two okay
0: so you've broken him just, in
1: and produced him no no i um since i was showing souvenir at um prelim um i left him there to be backed and then i flew him over as a three-year-old okay um, and so i started showing him as a four and a five-year-old okay um, but cool yeah, but it, they're they're two different horses. A souvenir is um, just this this steady Eddie. Just super, He's he's the big Irish guy in the back of the pub telling you the funniest jokes in the world. He's he's a character, and Nick is um, he's he's very German. He's all he's all business with a little bit of spice there. So they're com- they're completely different horses, and I just adore both of them.
0: Um, before we go on, you also have quite possibly the coolest, the coolest pet, I think I've come across. And when we were going to record, um, I think we were going to record a few days ago or last week, uh, we rescheduled because said pet had been um, making a little bit of a nuisance of themselves introduces to an animal that basically I feel that me and the USA listenership are going to become quite familiar with over the next three years because I mean not everybody can say they have a micro donkey
1: yes 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 as yeah um that's Portia um and she she was our COVID purchase so Um, Just as COVID was locking down, I had my college freshman son in the dining room studying away. I had my husband upstairs in his makeshift office, and I was downstairs in my office surfing away on, on the computer, and I just was, you know... Yeah, what's out there? And I came across this website for micro mini donkeys. And I'm looking at these. They're cute. They're adorable, especially when they're little foals. And I'm looking at this kind of going, oh, okay. And just keep scrolling away. And my son walks in the room and he kind of goes, what's that? And I go, it's a micro mini donkey. And they're in Monroe. (laughs) And so we, we snuck out and we were looking at them on the side of the road and then we called them up and they go of course we have donkeys for sale (laughs) and we ended up buying a five-month-old mini donkey and brought it home
0: as you do so this mini Uh,
1: donkey um essentially rules rules the yard and the barn doesn't she i mean she growing up she played with our 100 pound doberman pincher (laughs) And so they they would go terrorize the whole I live in five acres and Redmond, Washington, near Seattle, and we have it all fenced in. And so when we needed to go run the Doberman and go play with him, this Miss Portia would be out there playing with the Doberman. So she's not really sure if she's a dog or a cat, but she's she. She's great. She, you know, she keeps the horses company. If I have one horse that I take to a lesson, you know, the donkey will stick around and talk to the other one. So it's not alone in the barn. And she terrorizes the Doberman and she stands sentry for our barn cats. So they don't get scooped up by the coyotes. So, um, but she, she rules the place and she's, she's like that naughty cat that Barn aisle. If I leave the barn aisle open, she'll walk in. She'll grab a bucket, throw it on the ground. Um, the day of that, we're the first day that we're supposed to have the conference or the um, this podcast. Um, I accidentally left the tack room door open, and so she walked in there, and you know she pulled the saddle down, and then she thought it was really fun if she would get my head this basket full of cleaned leg wraps and. <laughs> and and she just picked up a couple of them and ran down the barn aisle. So it looked <laughs> like my whole barn aisle was strewn with teepee That like you used to do in high school.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Okay, we are going to have a segment on the show whenever you're on Tales of Portia. Um, So stay tuned, listeners. Um, Thelma. Rob, <laughs> yeah. Tell yeah. me more. Tell us where this has come from. And, I mean, it suits you. But it's, I feel so, like this is going to stick.
2: So yeah. um, for those of us of a certain age who remember a movie called Thelma and Louise, uh, it'll be pretty clear. But for those that haven't seen it, you're going to have to go watch Thelma and Louise. I think it's probably rated R, though. So it's either that or PG-13. But um, And there are two amazing actresses in it. Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon and uh yeah, it's called Thelma and Louise and Lou there, her uh she's obviously Susan Sarandon and Louise and I am Gina Davis and Thelma. And so when we were when we were starting Lou's first meeting as the president, um, you know, she kind of looked at me and I looked at her and and she said something to the effect of, well, off we go. And I said, I'll be the Thelma to your Louise. Hold my hand. And anybody who's seen the movie, that's when they drive off a cliff in a car. So there we went, driving off the cliff and with our hands clasped. And from here on out, I will be the Thelma to, to lose Louise.
0: Leading yeah. from the front. Um, Like it a lot. Okay, let's look forward to 2023 because we have got a, an exciting year ahead of us, Um, it always feels the year before an Olympics, so that sort of year in the cycle, feels like it's the opportunity for people to really make their mark because this is when they really want to be grabbing the eye of the selectors. There's obviously a Pan American Games to look forward to as well. It would be fantastic to see an American uh, Kentucky winner, a US Kentucky winner. Um, But I guess from from the the perspective of this show there are so many different things we could talk about so what I have done is set a couple of different categories and I'm going to kind of throw them out at you um and we can discuss and debate as we go uh, my first one is actually going to be who will win a five star in 2023 could be, it could be Kentucky, it could be Maryland, it could be one of the other five stars around the world, it could be Adelaide is back this year as well, actually. We've got the the kind of triple whammy listeners. We've got Adelaide, Kentucky Badminton in a three-week run, um, which is gonna be very, very fun. So, Rob, who do you predict? And I promise, if this prediction comes off, we will clip the hell out of this part of the show. Uh...
2: Who
0: would you, who do you think is gonna win a five star this year?
2: I am going to I, – I think this is – oh, boy. I think this is a safe bet. Um, I'm not going to name a horse, though. Uh, I'll, because That's cheating. Is it? I have to name the person and the horse.
0: No, I mean, you, you know.
2: <laughs> okay. I will say I'm going to go with Will Coleman. I think That's Will it. Coleman is a solid, solid bet. Um, we just got finished uh, – Uh, celebrating Will at the U.S. uh, Equestrian Federation Annual Convention for his accomplishments on um, Off the Record and Don Dante. So I'm going with what I'm considering a safe bet. It'll be Will. Now, where uh, and on which one? (laughs) I'm going to say it'll be either on Don Dante or Off the Record. And I'm going to go with um, one of the Europeans, actually. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna, but I'm I'm gonna have to think about which one. (laughs) I don't know right now.
0: Okay, okay. Well, we'll give you that. Um, I am going to. I am actually going to say that I'm going to go to the lady that we had on the podcast a few episodes ago. Uh, Tammy Smith was a it or is. A very, very, very determined competitor, and she was pretty candid on the show. She was—it was actually a Q and A Q&A show where she was asking your questions, listeners, and it was really interesting to get an insight into kind of her plans and her hopes for the next kind of six, twelve months, and obviously going into next year when, with the Paris Olympic Games in mind. But my bomb is going to Kentucky. If anybody can get down into the early 20s. Now, we don't know if uh, Michael Young is going to bring Fisher Chipmunk back to Kentucky. We don't know if the likes of Yazingham or, um, hey, we could even see a Laura Collett. I think Laura Collett will take London 52 to Badminton. But there's a few others on the radar that I've heard a few whispers about. We could see some very low numbers in the first phase. My barn though, is one that can mix it with the best of them. So I'm actually going to say, I'm going to put it out there now. Tammy Smith, my barn win kentucky this spring Dang. now the crowd goes wild Yay. yeah um lou how about you oh i'm new to this game um don't worry uh, none of none of us rarely get it right
1: okay <laughs> it's well, all it's all a fun and games it's fine okay so so if, if i'm gonna play this game i would i would have to agree with both of you but i'll even go more specific i think tammy is gonna be in in that top lead at rolex And I think Coleman is going to be in the top, top place at Maryland. And then I think, I think, I I think we need to go to the sleeper there. I think Dutton's going to be in here in the hunt somewhere. I think he's, he's gonna.
0: It feels like Philip Dutton hasn't been at the top of a sort of a big, big podium. I know. I think he's quietly.
1: Yeah. I think he's quietly working behind the scenes saying, "I, I got this. I got yeah, this watch this, yeah. hold my gear.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. I like that a lot. Um, and I actually love how the fact I mean, Rob just mentioned a, a rider and kind of threw a few darts at a horse and an event. Um, I was a little bit more specific. Lou gave us a grand slam, she gave us three. Um, so yes. that is great. Um, okay, one of my favorite things is finding horses to watch riders to watch combinations to watch um basically who do you think will come onto the radar who should we all be watching out for this year
2: do i have to go first again
0: i'll (laughs) go first to be fair i'm happy i'm happy
1: to set the ball rolling unless
0: Lou, unless you would like to to dive on in
1: um no i'll defer to thelma okay um (laughs)
0: I, i'm gonna i'm gonna go before I
1: either off. of you steal i got a one-off I, I this year i think the one to watch is is rob riding my horse souvenir on the east coast
0: <laughs> could we luke could we not make some sort of campaign to get him to the i think we should <laughs> i mean rob there is absolutely this could happen Rob's dog is barking manically in the background. So he's put himself on mute. He's looking at the camera. He's shaking his head thinking, oh, my goodness, I can't even defend myself. Um, The dog's obviously agreeing with us. Rob, come on. We can make this happen, surely.
2: Rob is not one to watch. It's the exact opposite. Rob is one (laughs) not to watch. If, If by some slim chance... Lou talks me into getting out there on Oak, who's an amazing horse, by the way. I I really am a big fan of his. Um, yeah, don't
1: watch. <laughs>
0: Oh, we will be Rob. We're going to do oh, like podcast diaries. We're going to follow your. We'll get you, you cheerleaders. You know, a lot the horse, that horse
1: is coming on the East Coast.
2: <laughs> give me, give me several months of of a fitness regimen before that happens. Because even though Oak can carry him around, carry me around, I don't want to do that to him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think that I think this would be brilliant. I think we could totally make it happen. And listeners, watch this space. A little bit of peer pressure always comes in handy. So feel free to send Rob a sly old message and say, we're looking forward to your Kentucky debut. Um, we can, it can be Hawk on call. It can be HC. So you don't have to actually be competitive if there are rules. There could be rules. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that say you can't, who knows? Maybe you made that up. You'll be writing a rule into the rule book, won't you? I
2: will <laughs> You
0: cannot. Yes. Yeah, No CEOs CEOs allowed. Um, Okay, my my sort of thing to watch this year, or person to watch this year, and you probably are going to say that is a bit cheeky, and I can't have this one. But just hear me out, because um, Caroline Martin. I think, has had a pretty quiet few seasons over the last few years. She had that brilliant win with The Apprentice and sort of made the step up to five-star level. Um, She won the four-star at Carolina a few years ago. I mean, I think we're probably going back to sort of 2017, 2016, something like that. Um, Stepped up to five-star, had a good amount of five-star horsepower. Then she sort of took a step back from or didn't have as many horses at the very, very top level as she concentrated on building her sales business and everything else. Then she probably disappeared a little bit more off the radar of you guys last year because she came over to England and was based first with Andrew Nicholson, then with Pippa Funnel. Um, and the horses that she had, listeners, were just absolutely incredible. I don't think I saw her on a horse that I didn't kind of do a double take at and think, oh my god, that is really, really smart. Um Pippa spoke very, very highly of her. She really threw herself into kind of learning new experiences and very much kind of taking the opportunities they came up. It then finished off with that incredible uh, medal-winning performance at Lilian Danger at the Young Horse World Championships at the end of the year. Um, She's got a really, really smart team of horses. And there's the HSH Blake, HSH um, Connor. Um, there's the special, Kings Special Horse as well. They were the three that really stood out for me. But I think there's plenty more where they came from. And I actually think she is going to be back with a bang this year. Do not be surprised to see her. I'm going to put it out there, make a play for a Pan American game spot. And I think she is going to be the one that everybody is talking about. Might not be at the four and five star level yet, but give it a couple of years, listeners
2: i think that's actually a really safe bet um i obviously given the the grants she she received from us uh both the <clears throat> the wilton fair as well as the whole camp turner grants to to get overseas you know she's been one that we've been watching pretty closely so i think you're safe i've got i've got one a dark horse that, that lou might know tommy green tommy green oh, based oh, yeah. in california Tommy is maybe not a household name for some people, but he became a household name for me at the American Eventing Championships when he won three of the, of the divisions, um, intermediate, training horse, and novice horse. Tommy is a lovely rider, and quite honestly, I think we're just going to hear more and more and more about Tommy. Um, so super excited about his, his potential this upcoming year. Um, I will say I also I wanted to pick out uh, a, at least one rider from the EA21, our, our new Eventing Athletes Under 21 program. Um, but Kate Loki specifically told me I was not allowed to pick one rider because there were so <laughs> many good ones. So so I'm sticking with Tommy. I think Tommy's a safe bet.
1: That's a good shout. Lou, how about you? I'm going to have to stay on the West Coast, too, just because i um... Just because I'm from the West Coast and I I think the sleeper out there, uh, you know, Tammy's not a sleeper. We know that she's going to be a force to be reckoned with. But I think the sleeper out there is James Alliston. Yes.
0: Yeah. No, you actually that is a very, very, very good shout. And the Allistons totally cleaned up at the AECs in the Mm -hmm. the Advanced um, National Championships this year. And I would be very much looking forward to seeing the kind of horsepower that that I think they'll bring out um, a good team of horses, probably Kentucky bound. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's a great shout. Yeah. Um, I like that a lot. Uh, What are we most looking forward to? This year, Because there's so many different things to kind of consider, isn't there? There's, you know, the the big five stars, the, the AECs, the Intercollegiate Championships. Um, I would just say Dee isn't on this recording. David Byrne from Eck Ratings, who is basically Auburn's biggest cheerleader. But I'm just putting a little sneaky shout out uh, that he would have put them up as his ones to watch. Um, but there's so much, isn't there, in the calendar. So, Rob, what are you most looking forward to in 2023?
2: Still... We we kind of finished up the year here in a grassroots sense with a uh, classic series event. So our classic three day, um, the traditional three day that we run here in the states, we finished off with a really strong few events. And and here locally to me, Waradaka Horse Trials, they had I think it was like over a hundred people. And for the classic series, for those that aren't familiar, it runs the traditional long format and roads and tracks that we're all in the book that Lou talked about getting her passionate about the sport. Um, but we also turned it into this big educational activity where experts, uh, in and talk to you about, um, how to properly train, condition, condition, prepare for the competition. Um, I am honestly super excited for the continued growth of that program. Um, and it's just something so unique to us now in the States that we, we keep running these and they seem like really good, strong foundational programs for both. And and year-end goals um, for our, especially for our young riders and adult riders um, as they're coming up.
0: For me, it's a really interesting one in so much as the, the kind of the classics program and that format, the long format, the traditional format. Actually, Lou said at the top of the show, horsemanship you know that for her is one of those key aims and i think those kind of programs actually really empower people to learn more and to understand things a little bit more and probably at times go out of their comfort zone but actually in a way that they just expand their education um, and enjoyment ultimately and i think it's a whole different challenge um so yeah
1: agree completely um lou how about you well, well, there's two things, uh, you know, program wise. I think what I'm looking forward to is the first complete um, year that we have all of the revamps that have gone on on the eventing coaching program, the ECP program. Um, the, the workshops are starting to roll out um, and they have a wonderful new um, book that they've done um, with the standards of what to expect at each level. Um, It's just it's an encyclopedia of event of American eventing knowledge that I'm just really excited to have that in fruition and being applied uh, all across the nation. So that that is that one expanding your horizons and and getting better, being that better horseman is is integral to that program and they have a lot of buy-in you know it's just not the the workshops that you go to now that you're lectured to on the one way to do it you're actually participating and you're evolving your own teaching style and with the foundations of knowledge that are there so it's that's really exciting so that's program wise that's it's that's what i'm looking forward to see that really take a good firm foothold in 2023 um i would say On the other end of it, an actual competition that I'm really excited to see is the AECs going back to Kentucky with the adult team championships there.
0: And Rob Burke. And Rob Burke, yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Rob Burke on a team. There is a much
2: better chance that uh, Amy Burke, Dr. Amy Burke, might be competing, but uh, Rob Burke's (laughs) slim.
0: We can have a Burke team. It'd
1: be fine. We can do that. (laughs) We we can have that challenge. But yeah, the the, um, adult team challenge championships that are held within the AECs, um, I am really looking forward to that because that little competition means so much um, to the adult amateurs and the grassroots. Um, It's their Olympics. Um, it's, they get to share their passion with, you know, fellow people on their team and they get to be competitive. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. Um, and for me watching all those people have such a great time. We had it, uh, this year I was watching it at uh, Rebecca farm and they had their own little stabling area. They were all just having a, a blast and, and they were really, um, just enjoying a joy in eventing.
0: That's what we like to see though isn't it and I think that you know being able to go to places like Rebecca Farmer and and places like Kentucky that are really quite special in eventing and kind of all of that history and heritage and being part of that no matter what level you're competing at is very very cool. Um, I am going to stick with my kind of I'm going to go a little bit away from the kind of things you guys have said. Basically, I'm going to stick with my ones to watch. This is because the year before the Olympics, coming back to that angle again, huge rebuilding of the US team over the last few years, that team silver in Protoni. And that's, you know, it just feels like momentum is building totally in the right direction. Um, Bobby Costello and his team are really going to be looking to cement that partnership throughout this year. And obviously there isn't a... World Championships or an Olympic Championships, there is a Pan American Games. And I actually think having got that qualifying ticket in the bag, which the last time we had the Pan Am Games was not in the bag, um, will mean that actually they can afford to be a little bit riskier, perhaps. They can afford to be a little bit more forward-thinking with the team that they send to the Pan Am Games. And therefore, I think we're going to see some real superstars. We're going to uncover some absolutely incredible horses. Um, and and that's not to take anything away from the likes of, you know, Boyd and Setzeleg, when they won the, the individual goal that the Pan Ams back in, what, 2019, I think it was now, you know, Absolutely fantastic. But Setzeleg was a five star horse. We already knew he was brilliant. So I think this year we're going to see some new names, some new horses, some new faces, perhaps. And that is going to prove very exciting. But it also means that, um, you know, we could see some of those other big five star campaigners maybe come over to Burley, maybe go over to Poe. Obviously, we've got Maryland at the end of the year. So basically, I'm very excited to see what strength and depth we've got in US eventing coming through.
2: I agree. Agreed. agreed. Pan M's gonna be fun. Pan gonna be a lot of fun.
0: It really is. It really is. Um, team, yep. it has been lovely to have a nice little catch-up show. Lou, welcome to the Madhouse. Um, welcome to the USCA Eventing Podcast family. And we're looking forward to to following all of Porsche's adventures over the next couple of years. Um, but ultimately there's some very exciting times ahead and we're we're looking forward to to following and being on that journey with you. Thank you very much. Rob always a pleasure. Um, and you've got your little dog on your knee now, which the listeners can't see. Um, she's got a headset on. She's basically the, the impromptu fourth team member of the podcast today. Um, Rob thinks that she can protect him from going to the ACs, but little does he know there is a plan. <laughs> here. Um, he, the, the nervous laugh listeners, the yeah, nervous laugh. Okay. Look, we will be back very soon with more on the USCA official podcast. We've got lots coming up. We will have another team talk show. Um, there are some great episodes in the pipeline, so stay tuned if you don't already hit that subscribe button. But for now, that's all we've got time for. Thanks for listening to the USCA official podcast. If you have any suggestions or feedback, then we would love to hear from you. Get in touch through any of our social media platforms at US Eventing. And don't forget to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform to make sure you don't miss an episode.